Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Satan's not big enough to stay inside of a believer, or Satan's not in any of you, thank God, but demonic spirits are not big enough to stay inside of a born-again believer, amen? And the only thing that keeps them there, just so you know, the only thing that keeps you from freedom, every single person anywhere, there's no, it's all the same, it's the same spiritual laws, it's the same kingdom of God, amen? The thing that keeps you bound is the thing that you agree with that's called free will so if you agree that your sickness is incurable guess what you just gave yourself an incurable sickness if you agree that there's no way that your marriage can be healed you just ruined your marriage if you agree that God will never touch you then you just made sure that the enemy will make sure God doesn't touch you amen Life and death is in your tongue, in your mouth. Nothing's going to change that, okay? That is spiritual law. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he takes care of everything. Why does he tell us to seek his kingdom instead of seeking Jesus? Because his kingdom, first you have to know Jesus to even seek the kingdom. There's no kingdom open to you until Jesus Christ is your Lord. Until he's your Lord, there is no kingdom for you to seek. Amen? But once he's your Lord, he's saying, go deep into the things, into the ways of God. Go deep into his kingdom laws. Go and understand this kingdom you're now in, because you're in a new kingdom. And you have to come in agreement. Your free will has to come in agreement with God's kingdom ways, so that they will become real to you. I always say, when you read it, believe it, and argue with anything in you that believes the devil instead of God. I want you to stop for a minute and think truthfully what an insult it is to God to think that the devil is stronger than him. How ridiculous, honestly. Satan's never made anything, you guys. He just perverts everything. So get rid of bitterness that blames God. There's no one actually to point the finger at if you're suffering something and you know Jesus Christ is Lord, except you. Now, you don't point the finger at yourself in condemnation. Amen? Remember, there is no condemnation in Christ. It's impossible to condemn yourself in Christ. So while you're condemning yourself, guess what? You're not in Christ. So the, the first thing there is I need to get back in Christ. I need to get into the word. I need to agree with God. Can I get an amen? I'm going to agree with God about everything. I mean everything. I walked years not agreeing with doctors about my son being so sick. I wasn't in denial. 
I took him to the doctors. I took him to hospitals. He went to King Daughters. He went to NIH. He went all these places. He had specialists, everything else. And it was a long trial. It didn't go away when I first asked. It didn't go away year number two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight. But I didn't ever start agreeing with the devil about my son's condition. I never stole from God the power of what he has done and who he is. Now, let me say this. If you've done that, you've rebelled against God and his word. And you need to repent. Amen? Nothing changes until we repent. Amen? What does, and let me say, if you repent and it's real, it's not just something you say. When you repent, you actually repent, which means, oh my gosh, I really haven't been agreeing with God about this. I really have been agreeing with the enemy. I've really, really messed this up. God, forgive me. And it's a real forgive me. It's a God, forgive me. I'm not going, by your grace, I'm not doing that anymore. By your grace, you need to get to a place where you agree with God no matter what. Does everybody get, that's not a maybe, that's a spiritual law. That's a spiritual law. That's like if you want to go out here and I want to drive 100 miles an hour and then blame God if I'm in an accident and something horrible happens, that's stupid. Right? Right? Well, it's just as stupid to not believe his word and say out of your mouth the opposite of what his word promises. Amen? So I want everybody to get it. Every time what you speak does not agree with what God says in his word about himself, about what he does things, every single time you are living in rebellion. It makes you double-minded. Who can God give nothing to? A double-minded person. God cannot give anything to a double-minded person. It's his word. What does it mean to be double-minded? And the word there is actually soul. It means there's two different things going inside of the same person. There's part of you that believes Christ and Christianity, and there's a wounded, hurt part of you who remains rebellious and believes the devil. That's a double-minded person. Can I get an amen? You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. The truth doesn't condemn you. Whatever condemns you is not of the kingdom of God. Whatever you repent of because you understand his kingdom. And if I repent and turn from this and I completely refuse to agree with the enemy ever, ever again, no matter how much I've got to shut up, no matter how much I've got to sing worship songs, no matter how much I've got to do this God's way, I'm going to do it God's way. Even if it makes the devil so mad, he wants to torment the heck out of me. I'm going to torment the heck out of him instead. Amen. Every one of us has the authority to do that. Bury your pity party tonight. Pity parties are rebellion. Pity parties are full of rebellion. I've got, you can get the grace not to have a pity party. Don't anyone get in my face and say, you don't know. I know more than you know about walking through a bunch of mess. 
Amen? And I know his grace is more than efficient, sufficient, and efficient. I know his yes is yes, his amen is amen, and I do not have, I I am double-minded if I change what I think about who he is and what his word says based on what I'm going through. Amen? This has nothing to do, him being who he is, And faithful has nothing to do with what you're going through. You believe him because he's God. Anything else is rebellion. Amen? I'm not saying whatever is in you that God wants you to get free from, that his spirit will set you free from, isn't going to try to torment you. I'm not going to lie and say, if you're listening to the devil, if he still owns a part of your heart, he's not going to attack. If, he, if you still believe lies that you've been told or taught, the devil's not going to use those to try to hurt you. How many knows he will? Amen. But I do know this. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who lives in you, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his spirit, the anointing of God inside of you is way stronger than sickness, than torment, than emotional bondage, than any kind of fear. There is just nothing that compares to God inside of you. Nothing. Nothing. So you need to decide tonight you're not going to live rebellion anymore, no matter what your problem is. No matter what your problem is. If the devil takes you out before your time, at least you're going to land in heaven smiling going, I know I missed it because you're God and you can't miss it, but at least I'm home. Not wiggling over there, and I'm going... Why did you think I was so horrible? Why did you think I was the one who would make you sick? Why do you think I was the one who wouldn't heal you? Why do you think I was the one who wanted you tormented? Why would you think that I was the one who wouldn't want to touch you and set you free and heal you? Didn't you read my word? Don't you know what I went through to heal you? Don't you know what I went through to set you free from mental torment? Don't you know what I went through so that I could give you the instead? That was from a good teaching I heard Karen shared the other day from um, Graham Cook. He's got a teaching out called Instead. He gives you joy instead of mourning. He gives you healing instead of sickness. For everything the devil can do to you, God has already promised you an instead. But you have got to build yourself up in your most holy faith, declaring what God declares. You have to do it. If you want to win. If you don't want to win, then just admit you like your pity party. Just admit you like being tormented. Just admit something in you likes being sick or having terrible relationships or having your life ruined. Just at least get honest with yourself. Look in the mirror and say, you want to be this messed up. And then say, why? Why? Something you just need to look in the mirror. Talk to yourself for a second. Why do I want to be this messed up? You might just get an answer like, because you like the attention. 
or you don't want to stand up and do what you have the strength to do in Christ. And you want somebody else to do it for you. Somebody else has done it for you. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And you're either going to put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants, put on your army boots, and start stomping the devil under your feet. Or he's going to have a heyday destroying the rest of your life and try to destroy your children and your grandchildren. And it's really very sad when you realize that God delivered us from rebellion, amen, so that we could have victory. He's made a way to heal the brokenhearted places, amen, right? He'll give you beauty instead of ashes, amen. Now, how many know I know these scriptures are so real, Amen. Because I grabbed onto Jesus and I asked for his grace to take over in my life. I knew I couldn't win the things the enemy attacked me with. I knew it. Some of y'all don't even know it yet. Well, would you catch on? You can't do it or you would have already done it. Amen. Unless you really like to be miserable. Amen. He's not asking you to do the healing. He's asking you to believe he has. He's not asking you to do the deliverance. He's asking you to believe that he has. He's not asking you to do anything with works. He's asking you to just believe. And then he says, because you believe, all of a sudden your works will come from faith and not fear. There's a big difference when my works come from faith. And they're not something I'm just mimicking with my brain. Amen? Some of you are going to get free to get that. When I rebuke the devil, I know I'm rebuking the devil. I'm not trying to follow a formula and hoping I'm rebuking the devil. I know I'm rebuking the devil. Amen. I know the devil is more scared of me than I am of him. Ho! Oh, I know it. Because I know who is the one who lives inside of me. I know without Christ, I'm not any match for the enemy. I know without Christ, my life would have been totally destroyed by now. I know it. I know without Christ, what the devil has thrown at me would have destroyed me. It would have destroyed my family. It would have destroyed my marriage. It would have destroyed any calling on my life. It would have destroyed everything. If I tried to do it myself, one of your greatest revelations is to realize he's not asking you to do anything. He's just asking you to believe he's already done it. And then you walk your life free from rebellion, agreeing with him, no matter what your body feels like, no matter what your brain is trying to agree with the enemy, no matter what your finances say. It's not denial when you know that you're purposely making the choice to believe God and his word. Can I get an Amen. Okay, do you get it? Do you kind of get the difference? I'm not telling you to deny something. I'm telling you to agree with God. Amen? 
I'm telling you to stand back and agree with God. He will deliver you from torment. Let me tell you what torment is so everybody can get the difference. If it's not torment, let me see. Torment does not need to be healed. Torment, you need to be delivered. From what? From the devil talking to you. Torment is just Satan talking to you. That's torment. Him telling you where you're wrong, what you're doing wrong. God will never help you. Blah, blah, blah. He's not supposed to be talking to you. Amen? He's not supposed to be talking to you. And you're not supposed to be listening to him. That's torment. T-O-R-M-E-N-T. Torment comes from listening to the devil. Do not give him an audience. Rebuke him. Punish him in Jesus' name. And do not listen to him. He's not your doctor. I hope. You're in trouble if he is. Amen. He shouldn't be your Lord. He shouldn't be your master. He shouldn't be ordering your steps. Does anybody in here think that it's not rebellious to let the enemy order your steps? It's rebellious to see God through what the devil wants you to believe. Amen. I don't have to try to guess what God is like. I can read his word. And you go to the new covenant because you're in the new covenant. And you read what he says in the new covenant. How many did Jesus heal in the new covenant? He healed them all. How many did he die for in the new covenant? He died for all the sins of the world. How many ran up to him for help and he said no? How many ran up full of demons that he didn't set them free? He is a God who heals, delivers, and sets free. He saves us from head to toe. If we come back to him wanting to be made whole, he'll even make you whole. He'll heal you when you don't even want to be whole. But then if you got any brains about you at all, hopefully you'll run back and say, hey, could you make me whole? Like, like, wow, that would be so cool. Just set me free from all the mess that's ever happened to me in my life. Amen? Amen. We want to get free from rebellion. So let's look at this scripture. This is going to help us. Now, if people have called you stubborn and you think that's funny. Okay. Let's see what the word stubborn means in the Webster. Stubborn. And don't anybody think this is funny. That's when the devil's got you. When he can get you to think something's funny, that's actually pure bondage. This one's okay. Stubborn. Oh, I hate it when they use a bigger word. Unreasonably obstinate. Okay, let's go look at obstinate. Things spell it. Firmly adhering to one's own opinion and one's own purpose, not yielding, not being able to be persuaded, or even someone argue you out of what you're deciding do i know a few stubborn people around here inflexible persistence inflexible persistence inflexible persistence unyielding attitude 
not easily controlled or overcome, not yielding. It's really quiet in here. <laughs> All right, now let's get to the word. Go with me to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Exodus 33. It's so cool how the scripture that the Lord was showing me I needed to teach by a prophetic sign. How cool is God? He cracks me up, actually. He's so funny. I just want you guys to know, when you would just get free from your rebellion and your stubbornness and free from your intellect and free from trying to call the shots and be important and anything else, you will have such a good time with God. He is so fun. He is so real. He is so good. He is so wonderful. He is so real. I, I, the whole reason he died and went to hell for you was so that you could have a relationship with him. That's why covering doctrine is so horrible. He didn't die and go to hell for you and raise up again and is interceding for you so you can have a relationship with someone in leadership of the church. He didn't even do it just so you could have good marriages or love your children. He actually did it because he wants to hang out with you. He wants it real. He wants the sin out of the way. He wants the stubbornness out of the way. He wants rebellion gone. He wants everything under his blood. Amen? So you can draw near to him. Not that you all aren't, but a lot of you aren't. A lot of people listening don't even know you could. And a lot of people have fake stuff. How many want the real? I want something so strong and so real with you, God. How many want more than what you have? Amen. How many are okay with God making you whole? How many's motive is I want to be whole because I want to be who you want me to be, God. He wants that to be your motive. Not, I don't want this pain anymore. I don't want this. He wants you to want him. He wants you to want a relationship with him more than anything else in the whole world. Let's ask him for that. Say, Lord Jesus, could you give me a heart and pour out the grace to want, for me to want you more than anything else in the world? I want to want you more than anything else in the world. Make that real for me. Amen. All right, here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you've brought from the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name is Israel, saying, to your descendants, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pizzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the otherites, the termites, and the Noah. Go up to a land Go up to a land of abundance. God wants to get your mites and ites out of you guys. Amen. Go up to a land of abundance, flowing with milk and honey. 
Okay, so for some of us that, that this being right after the holidays with pumpkin and chocolate chips. No, okay, flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in your midst because you, are, okay, all right, here's, oh, just the sound of, oh, teach this, help people, just jumps out. This is God. Now, now, I want you to get this with God talking to Moses and these guys. He's like, okay, I'll take you in. It's almost like, I'll let you in the kingdom. You'll even get to come to heaven one day. But I'm not going with you on your journey. In other words, you're not going to feel my presence on your journey. You're not going to have that kind of relationship with me on this journey. And he's going to tell you why. Because some of you, you will go to heaven if you die, praise God. And you're kind of living by the word, praise God. And he has done some miracles for you. And he's taken care of provisions as you've tithed and given. Amen? Like there's been enough real in your life to know he's real. Amen? But if you are stiff-necked, he's not going to hang out with you. Can I get an amen? I'm looking at some stiff-necked looking people around here. Anyhow. Go up to the land of abundance, flown with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst because you are a stiff-necked, stubborn and rebellious people. And I might destroy you on the way. God's like, I can't walk with you when you are stiff-necked and rebellious because even getting that close to me and walking with me is going to open you up to the enemy being able to attack because your stiff-necked, rebellious self is going to cause you not to repent, not to embrace me and open the door for the enemy, if you want to say, to come in and hurt you. I, w I want people to know this. When, he, when God, when you call him Lord, he actually wants to be Lord. And it's awesome when he is, amen? He wants you to let go of everything. So how do we know? And then we'll get to this. This is so cool. So stiff neck, I want you in your notebooks because you brought them because you are no longer rebellious. Or some of you have your phones. Okay, you high-tech people. All right, this is the homework. I want you to spend time. I don't know if we'll get time today. We may get in groups. We'll see. I want you to spend time thinking about asking the Lord to show you when you were stiff-necked or stubborn. I can give some examples that are going to light some <laughs> brain. Some of you, I know your stories. If something happened to you and you felt rejected or hurt and you decided, I'm never going to have anything else to do with my parents again. Or I'm never going to have anything else to do with that person again. Or I'm, it's anything where you've made a vow that you're not budging. You don't even stop to think how this hurts anybody. You don't stop to think what would somebody think if you're not there anymore. You don't even stop to think you have made up your mind without considering uh, how it's going to affect other people in a, in a positive way. You might want to affect them in a negative way. That's really sad. Stubborn is when you are in church, maybe even had been born again, and you still look at pornography, smoke, drink, have affairs. Blightened, blightened, rebellious sin. Boy, y'all are really quiet now. Amen. Stubborn is when you decide how you're going to do something, even when it 
doesn't ever work out. Stubborn is persisting that God can't help you when there's just no way in the world he can't help you since he's already paid the price to set you free. So some of you have done some really stiff-necked things, almost to the point of an inner vow, almost to the point of never really seeing it and repenting, and then it can come back at you with your children and their actions or your grandchildren. It can ruin a marriage. It can get you ruin relationships depending on where you are stiff-necked. So you need to take some time this week asking God to put it in your head and your thinking specific places where Satan got in and really made you stubborn. You could take a superior attitude. Well, I could do it because I know I could do it and other people just don't understand how smart I am. Who cares how smart you are? You're not even close to how smart God is. And you're probably not as close to how smart other people are that you think you're smarter than. But who cares? It's unwise to compare yourself to others. I think all, everyone here, and I'm hoping everybody listening, knows we're not smarter than God. Amen? I mean, we're not even close. And compared to him, let's just be real. But when I get the mind of Christ and I have the wisdom of God, I can be a lot wiser than the most intellectually gifted person on the planet. Amen? But the key is, where are the places that you were stubborn? Now look why, see where stubborn and rebellious go together? So let's say you know it it wasn't, and these could be things in your past. I hope these are not in your now. Amen. These could be sins in your past that you really repented of, but you never went deep enough to see how stubborn and rebellious you were. Therefore, you hit a wall in your walk with God, and it seems like you can't go any deeper. It seems like, Lord, what happened? I feel like, I feel like you're not there like you were when you were first wooing me back to you or calling me back to you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you get to this place to go, and then, and then in that place, some people just go the wrong way and take on counterfeit and go to all kinds of weird conferences, and they think they've been to heaven 400 times and everything else, and their entire life is a complete mess. And obviously, anybody watching is going, there's nothing about this that glorifies God. Amen? Or you just kind of live an okay life not hungry for God anymore, not excited about the things of God anymore. Um, you'll go to church because you know it's right. But, but the fire's gone, the passion's gone. You're like, and, and deep in your stubborn, rebellious heart, you're blaming God for that. Can I get an amen? Well, let me just tell you, I really believe we're in the part where God is sending out the wedding invitations to see who's going to come to the feast. And too many people, not you guys necessarily, because you're here on a Tuesday night, but many people in the church are saying, I'm too busy. I just got married. These are on scripture. Oh, I just got some real estate. My business is doing too good. Or my business is doing too bad. I've got to work too hard. And there's like all these excuses and all those excuses, I'm not sure about all, but the ones that I'm thinking of right now that are in scripture are all tied into God blessing you and giving you the things you asked them for. Those people miss 
the wedding supper of the Lamb. Boy, you're going to really hate that you're working late that day instead of being <laughs> where God came and got his people. Amen. Be, oh, oh. I, she did preach that. Oh, man. Can I just say after that, don't take the mark of the beast no matter what. And you won't be working hard. And you won't be eating good. And you won't have to worry because they're not going to let you when the Antichrist is taking over. Just get on with it. Preach real loud and clear. Let them take you out quick so you can come up and join us. Amen. Stay and be a light. Do whatever. You're not going to have grace. You're just going to have to do it on your own. But he won't take away your salvation if you don't take the mark of the beast and you stay if you endure to the end. We've got to start preaching like this because this is true. Not everybody is going to have oil. And rebellious, stubborn people won't have oil. That's why we're here trying to help you get free from rebellion and stubborn. Amen? So I want you to stop and think of the things that you knew. I'm not going to do this anymore. And you did it. There is a stubborn problem there that's tied to rebellion. Amen? Okay, let me bring it down where it's not blatant sin. I see that look up. I'm not that bad. Okay. <coughs> Stubborn is when you really can't hear what anybody else is even saying. You've already made up your mind. I mean, it's so hard for somebody to break through to even talk to you. I mean, they basically have to have a grace and a gifting to help you see where you're blind, where you don't see things right. For me, that gifting means knocking you upside the head after you know me well enough to know this woman really does love God and she really does care about me, so maybe I should listen. Amen? If that has to happen before you can hear from God through somebody trying to minister an area to help you, you have a stubborn issue. Write it in your notebooks. You're like, I'm not going to see. Just like stubborn, rebellious people. Amen. No one should have to. If Holy Spirit lives in you, and, and I'm pretty sure he lives in everybody who's in here. Amen. I don't know who's watching or who's going to be watching. But it shouldn't take that much for God to get through to you. God gets through to me. Now, I'm not saying I used to not be stubborn. I'm not saying I used to not have some rebellion. Amen? But as I've walked with him, I let it go. I've humbled myself. I'm like, okay, Lord, show me what to do. Show me how to do this. Lord, teach me your ways. Okay, Lord, we're just going to let go of this. Okay, help me with this. Show me what to do. It's like this dependency on him and him leading and him showing you and him teaching and him ordering your steps. Amen. Him ordering your steps, every step, everything. Now, when we have stubborn and rebellion, or one without the other, it's going to cause us not to have a strong relationship with God. And then the enemy's going to tell us it's God's fault. God, God just, you've tried everything. God just says, no, no, it's never God's fault. Amen. That's a rebellious thought. It's a rebellious thought 
to blame God when his word is so clear, when his actions are so clear, when he's done so clear. He said he, said he, doesn't, even, he doesn't have favorites. He's not a respecter of persons. In other words, I'm not going to do something more for this person than I'll do for you. So when you believe that he isn't like that, you're rebellious. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and I'm not saying how you got rebellious. Everybody's born rebellious. But as the enemy comes in, that's why if you look at those specific things where you know you rebelled, the specific things you did and you didn't care about the consequences. The stubborn is the part that gets in there that says, I'm not taking this anymore. You're not going to talk to me like that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, these seats should be full except for a lot of stubborn, rebellious people left. Amen? Because you don't want to hear truth. People just go wherever, let's have a party, let's just, God has told me, set them free. How many know, it feels so good to get cleansed. It, it's, so, it's so awesome when you let go of this stuff. Why do we want to hang on to it? What good does it do? What good has it done you to hang on to stubborn? Well, you just don't know. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I don't care to know. I'm just going to say what God says. I'm going to say what God says. I'm going to agree with God. And when God shows me where I've missed it, I want to be humble and I want to be sensitive. I do not want stubborn in the way. Stubborn is the wall, you guys. Ho! Stubborn is that wall. Stubborn is the wall that stands up in front of your rebellious heart and says, uh-uh, can't come in here. He's already made up his mind. He already feels like he's thought this before. He's already done this before. He's, he's already tried this. He's already this. She's already that. She, you see, it's like this thing says, it's like shoves back the anointing. Amen. Now, some people only have stubborn in some areas. So sometimes the anointing can get in for other things. Some people have bought the lie that God just won't touch me. Therefore, God just won't heal me. Man, you just give that stubborn old wall a hand to push back anything God's trying to bring forth. Amen? I want you to see these are real spirits. Now, it's really cool if you look at the scripture he gave me for this. When you look at we're all really wanting to go deeper in him and love him more. And All right. So he's going to drive out. He says, look, I'm going to send an angel before you. And it's going to drive all these demonic things out. So you can go up to the land of abundance, flow with milk and honey, honey, for I will not go up with you because you are a stiff-necked, stubborn, bellies people, and it might destroy you on the way. So I may know we're going to do an altar call to ask God to set us free from stubborn and rebellious. But I want you to really see where you have been stubborn and rebellious. You are stubborn when you don't want to go to church, but you already know you should go to church. You're rebellious when you don't still go anyway. You're stubborn when you know you're supposed to do this for your spouse or do this for your kids or do this for somebody else or help with this, and you just don't. I'm not looking at anybody. Don't anybody get upset and run out the door, you stubborn, rebellious people. Amen. I'm looking at all of you. Amen. But you want to be free or you would never come on a Tuesday night. Or God wants you free and he got you here on a Tuesday night and he's surprising you. <laughs> like, oh, amen. 
Do you almost ever not walk through these doors and God not get you? Amen. I wasn't thinking of you. Well, I was thinking of a few of you when God showed me this, but those are people who've been talking to me wanting to get free. I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. I watch YouTube all the time and all the teaching. You can hear all the other teaching all the time. There's very few places that I can find on YouTube or anywhere else where we ask Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. We ask Holy Spirit to help us. We ask Holy Spirit to set us free. Amen? All right. The good news about this. When the people heard this sad word, they mourned, and none of them put on... And none of them put on their ornaments. The ornaments there means their fancy clothes, their fancy nose rings, whatever they wore. In other words, they weren't going to dress all up and celebrate. There's a key here that some of you, I don't know that you've, I don't know that you've, I, I think the walls might be so strong in some of you that you're not actually even sad and mournful that God would say, I'm not going up with you, but you're going to get in. And, and I'm sure I'm talking more to people who are watching. But some people aren't that concerned about having a relationship with God that's that real. They're more concerned about their day-to-day -day life. And these people at last, these people were upset. He just told them, hey, I've already taken care of your enemies. I'm sending you into the good, into the good life, into the promised land. Just go. I'm not going with you. And they were at least sad. Whew. I can understand why the Lord is going to see that many people who are born again who will probably fall away in these last days, will not be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because we're not even sad. We're just busy, and as long as things are okay, we're okay. But when things get bad for us, man, we're going to go find out, why isn't God helping me? And the whole idea isn't about God helping you. The whole idea is being with God. Being with God. What, what has the enemy done in your stubborn, rebellious heart that makes you not even want to be sad that, that you're grieving the Holy Spirit? Now, don't anybody look all condemned because there is no condemnation in Christ and all we really ever have to do is repent. And the reason I preach kind of tough is I want you to really repent. Amen? And there's an anointing of conviction when I preach. Ho! And I thank you guys for being bold enough to come back time after time. And the rest by now are watching. They're already on Facebook, zooming out, thinking about something else. Hoping I was going to do something more about a wild story in the Holy Ghost or something. Let me tell you what. There are great wild stories in the Holy Ghost. Amen? But he needs you to not be stubborn and rebellious before you go on the mission field. Amen. Before you are in a situation where you're going to have to obey him and hear him and do what he says to get your exciting story. Amen. You need to not be rebellious 
and stubborn or stubborn and rebellious. Amen? Okay, I want everybody to know this. I want everybody to get this. I want everybody to hear this. This is a powerful spiritual law. You cannot even get saved without this law already operating before you accept Christ. It is the law of repentance. Holy Spirit goes after you. You repent and say yes, and you find Jesus Christ as Lord, right? Okay, so you cannot even get free from rebellion and stubborn unless Holy Spirit is going after you and you are deciding to put down stubborn and put down rebellious and say yes to him, just like you do for salvation. Amen? And it's that easy. Amen? That's good news. Thank God for repentance. Amen? Thank God for repentance. Amen? I don't want denial. I don't want anything fake. I don't want pretended faith. I want the real deal with God. I want the real deal with God. We are entering into, I really believe, the last days when we're going to do the greatest exploits of any human beings have ever done, born-again human beings have ever done on this planet. And God's going to use some people who've been beat up their whole life by the devil to totally glorify God. Don't you want to go for that ride? Amen. That nobody's excluded based on income, intellect, past things. Nobody's excluded who's born again if they will get free. It's for freedom that he sets us free. He just wants you free. This is not about going to heaven. This is about getting free where God hangs out with you all the time. Entering into the rest is what they call it in the new covenant. All right. But when they heard this sad word, they mourned, and none of them put on their fancy items. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the sons of Israel. <laughs> so God said, go tell them this. So we're like, God would never have you say that to people. Well, for the Lord had said to Moses, say to the sons of Israel, you are a stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious people. If I should come among you for one moment, I would destroy you. Therefore, in repentance, take off your ornaments so that I may know what to do with you. So then God watches, then God watches when you're rebuked by the Holy Spirit operating through someone to see if you're serious about change, if you're serious about repentance, if you're serious about wanting God to be with you. I want you to take a second and just decide, do you really want God to be with you all the time and hang out with you and lead your life and be the number one relationship in your life? Do you really want that? Ho, do you really want that? Okay, then you, do you think you can have that? Yes, because do not think that's rebellious, you stubborn person. <laughs> Amen? Amen? He doesn't, have, <laughs> he doesn't have some people he says yes to and others he says no to. He has some people who say yes to him and others who hang on to their idols or their lies. So let go of stubborn. Deal with stubborn. You took it on probably when you were angry with a mom, angry with a boyfriend, angry with a girlfriend, angry with a child, angry somewhere. And then you watch it in your kids and you wonder, how'd they get that? A lot of stuff you see in your kids is a mirror from you. And if you've uh, had them around, quit blaming a different parent that had them for a different season. One. How many? One. Believe in spouse believe in parent, sanctifies the children and makes them holy. 
So quit blaming the parents they had before if they're adopted. Quit blaming the ex-father or the ex-mom or the new whatever. Quit blaming anybody. It only takes one led by Holy Spirit to get everything straight. And it doesn't say it takes 10 years. Amen? Lord, what is in my heart that is looking right back at me? Now, let me say this for those with adult kids. What's looking right back at you that you know you were part of the enemy using to put there? Would you finally get rid of it so God can begin to answer your prayers for your children? Stubborn is not a little thing. When God says stubborn and rebellious together and because of it, I'm not going to hang out with you, it's a really big thing. When he says, okay, it won't keep you from getting saved because you know Jesus is Lord, but it'll stop you from having encounters with God. Let me say this. People who are rebellious and stubborn, I don't believe they're having true encounters with God. I'm not saying he won't break through once in a while like he did with Paul or Saul, who became Paul. Amen. Knocked him off his horse, his high horse. Amen. Made him blind, scared him, made him go around. And, to, and then you can watch the rest of Paul's life and see the price he paid for the things he participated in against God. And yet he never complained, did he? He knew, he knew to, to die, for him to die is gain. It doesn't matter what the enemy does to me on this journey. It doesn't matter how much I get attacked. I already know I deserve it all, but how good is God? How good is God to spare me? You know, look at the difference in Paul's way of seeing things. Paul is on a ship where he knows he's going to talk to, a, to stand before a king, to tell him the gospel, to probably get his head cut off. But he's determined he's going to go. He's even warned, don't go. He's going, I'm going anyway. He gets on the boat. Terrible boat falls apart, gets off the boat, tells everybody, you know, hey, um, we can't take this boat out. God's showing me we're going anyway. You're a prisoner. Get on. He's like, oh, here we go. They're out there. The whole boat's falling apart. Paul's like, I told you. Then I said, we're going to listen to him. Then he gets shipwrecked. Then they're all, the boat falls apart. They all swim up to shore. And he's sitting there preaching, and he gets bit by a poisonous snake that should have killed him in seconds. And he just keeps on preaching. That is what our lives are supposed to be like. If we get bit by a poison snake. If we get on a boat and it's falling apart. If nobody's listening to us and therefore we're in a big mess. Amen? Can we look at real Christianity and what it looks like? But look at the adventure and look at the stories and look how close he got to God. Amen? My gosh, people, get out of your pity parties. Get out of your little messed up worlds and enter into the kingdom. Can I get an amen? I want to enter into the kingdom. Where we're living in the most exciting days if you're in the kingdom and you're living in some of the worst days in human history if you're not in the kingdom. I think I'm going to stay in the kingdom. Amen. Let's just stay in the kingdom. We've got to get rid of stubborn and rebellious. And you need to take this serious. This may not be a one night thing. This may be where you need to sit down with God and write in that notebook when you were stubborn. If you don't think you're stubborn, ask your spouse. 
Ask your kids, ask your parents, but don't ask them getting in their face with your old stubborn, rebellious self. Ask them to hear. If you come to this church any amount of time, ask me. Don't anybody call me at once. Amen? But if you just ask the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you. And don't argue with him. He's right. When you want to argue with him, you're showing your stubborn, rebellious self. But God, he's like... Just let them strip off all the mess and see what you did hurt your parents, what you did hurt your wife, what you did hurt your husband, what you did hurt your children, what you did hurt your grandchildren, what you did hurt your employer and hurt your employees. What you did in stubborn and rebellion has hurt people. Quit thinking of how much they've hurt you and stop a second and look at what you have done and you've taken on and you've agreed with the devil about and how you've hurt them. Don't get in condemnation. See, people are scared to preach this because oh, they're all good. There is no condemnation in Christ. Amen? There's conviction in Christ. If you want to go visit condemnation, then you're hanging out with the devil, and that's rebellious, you stubborn person. Amen? Renounce stubborn, renounce rebellious, get in the kingdom, and get convicted. So you can get free. Amen. I'm not going to preach truth because so much of the church lives in condemnation and has to run somewhere and hide from truth. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. We at least all know each other enough to know we know we aren't perfect. We know that we're, uh, uh, prog we're in progress. Amen. But we also know that God is real. We know he's powerful, he's mighty, he's loving, and we're not who we used to be, and we're not who we're going to be. We're going to be even greater than who he's made us to be, and we are going to walk in his authority and his power. And we are going to see our entire household serving the Lord. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles and healings. We're going to see it with our own eyes. We're not just going to watch it on YouTube, somebody else doing it. We're going to see it in our own lives. Our own kids are going to love God, serve God, be hungry for God, and that's what we're going to have. Amen? And we're going to declare the promises of God, but we're also going to have the revelation to get to those promises. I want the relationship of the one who promised, not just the promise. And I'm going to, I'm going to be upset when I grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm going to care that the Holy Spirit wanted me somewhere else, and I said no to him. I'm going to care that money was more important to me than what God had planned for that day. I'm going to care that God wanted me to treat my children or my spouse or the people in this church for me or a different way, but I chose to do what I wanted to do and I'm going to become sensitive and get rid of stubborn so that conviction can come in and quickly change me. Amen? Does everybody understand what stubborn is? Do you get it? It makes sense that that's that wall, doesn't it? It makes sense that it's that wall that says God can't come in here. And stubborn goes with rebellion because rebellion's in your heart. Amen? Rebellion, remember, goes against God and his ways, doesn't believe God in his ways, doesn't trust God in his ways, doesn't want to do things God's way. 
wants to continue to do things out of pain and out of hurt and out of unbelief and out of and pity party and all the other mess. Amen? And stubborn is that thing that says, yeah, they just don't know. She's just judging you. She do, who, what does she know? Who, who do they think they are? They just have never gone through. They, they're just judging me. They're just looking at me mean. They're, you know, stubborn is that stupid thing that says, don't get rebellion out of your heart. Just think, she's just picking on me. I knew I shouldn't have come tonight. Be thankful if I pick on you, amen? But I'm not, just so you know. Can I just say tonight, I'm picking on all of you. Because it's so funny, when I do this, I actually see everybody's stories. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> People on there. Like, that's why I'm staying home. You stubborn, rebellious person. He says, don't forsake the fellowshipping together of the saints that they're going to do in the last days. I'm thankful he could still sneak in through their stubborn little selves and talk to them online. But it's not going to get you in that close relationship with him. Where does he want you to be? And when does he want you to be there? And what does he want you to deal with? He wants you free. He loves you. He wants to hang out with you. But you have something in you that tells him, no, I don't want you any closer. It's called stubborn. And it hides rebellion. All right. When the people heard, okay, let's go on. Let's get down to this. <laughs> Again, he says, so for the Lord's head said to Moses, say to the sons of Israel, you are a stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious people. If I should come among you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Now, therefore, take off all your fancy ornaments so that I may know what to do with you. All right. Do, do you all understand that we had to have the blood of Christ for Jesus to get in our presence? Wow, look what he paid. He was tortured, tormented, beaten, um, abused, everything horrifically possible, demonic from the pits of hell that could attack the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of all things from his enemies that were thrown out of the kingdom of God came on him and he let it. A perfect, sinless, never, ever, ever, ever had to taste any of that. Tasted all of it so you could be free. So you could be healed. So you could sleep at night and not be tormented. So you could have awesome relationships with people. So that he could order your steps and put a most wonderful life together for you. And it's so rebellious to agree with the devil about him instead of letting him set you free. He did that, you guys, so that he could have a relationship with every single person and not just find a Moses here and there that they could work with to be their spokesperson but to actually make it so you could have a face-to-face -face relationship with God.
That's his heart's cry. That's his heart's cry. He went through all of this so that every single born-again believer could be close to him. How cool is that? How amazing is that? How rebellious for people to preach a different gospel message. So the Israelites left off their ornaments to show their repentance and moved on. Now Moses used to take his own tent and pitch it outside the camp. Listen to this. Far away from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, for of God with his own people. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the temporary tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each at his tent door, and look at Moses until he entered the tent. I want you to see this. When they were doing this whole traveling to the promised land thing, Moses had this awesome relationship with God. So Moses put a tent, because he didn't have any permanent residence, right? So he put a tent. And when Moses would go to that tent, probably led of the Lord to go meet him there. But whenever he went there, all the people would go watch and say, what's going to happen? It's kind of like people a little bit watching and say, oh, are they going to shake? Are they going to fall down? Are they going to do this? What's God going to do if you go to Benny Hinn? Or what's going to happen next? I mean, that's the closest thing I could see it to now. It's like people who, and I love Benny Hinn, and I, and I would be one of those people. But see, I was one of those people in the Coliseum watching, but my heart's desire was to be one of those people feeling the presence of God like that and knowing God like that and willing to let God destroy everything in me of stubborn and rebellion so that I could walk with God like that. Amen? And that, that's those who are really hungry. They're like, okay, I'm getting whapped tonight, but it's okay because I want to know God like that. I want to walk with God like that. And then when you hear a story about, wow, Moses had this relationship with God that all the other people would, would say, oh my gosh, Moses is going to meet with God. Everybody, get up, get up. Let's see what's happening. And they'd all stick their heads out of their tents to see what's going to happen with Moses and God. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand at their tent doors and look at Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the doorway of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. They would literally see the glory of God or the manifestation the presence of God that looked like a cloud outside of the tent door talking to Moses. Gosh, you guys, if you study scripture, we have a greater glory than that. How many know if, if this is close to the return of Christ, don't you think we need to be the ones to enter into that greater glory? Because most people haven't even had the glory Moses had yet. I want the greater glory. There is a greater glory. You want to know what the greater glory is? I don't have to go to a tent. Ho! I can have God with me all the time, talking to me, hanging out with me, showing me things, watching television with me, everything he wants to do. I had so much fun watching the um, Esther sight and sound thing and then the Shaq uh, movie the other night. Whole time, one night was one night, next night was the next night. Jesus, by his spirit, but I knew right where he was, was sitting beside me, basically on the bed, the spirit of the Lord, watching it and talking to me about it and talking to 
me about what I walked through with him and how we were going to do something powerful for his glory. Amen? All I could do is cry, 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 cry. I was like, you know, why are you crying? It's not sad tears. I cry because he's been so good to me. He delivered me from sorrow and grief. He delivered me from misery. He delivered me from hating my life. He delivered me from a horrible divorce from two people who had been so broken and hurt. He delivered me from seeing my sons grow up hating God, bitter, hating everything. Thank God for truth. Thank God he set me free. Thank God he was real. Thank God he came into the situation and he showed me truth by his grace. The minute it happened, I didn't have to go around wondering why did my daughter die? I knew who did it. It was the enemy. I knew I wasn't going to pervert who God was and he has set me free and he has taken me on exploits. I've never imagined India with an orphanage named in my daughter's honor and all these things. I didn't try to make it happen. I watch people lose children and then try to make something good out of it. There's nothing good you can make out of it. The only good one has them with them if you trained them up in the things of God. And you get to see them again. But then you have him inside of you. Because you give everything to him and you're not going to change who he is. And you're not going to re remain rebellious or stubborn or think more highly of yourself than you ought. You just want him. You just want him. And then he gets you through by his grace. Abundant, amazing, glorious grace. And he becomes everything. And you don't want to live for anyone else. You don't want to, to be led by anything else. He can have everything. Everything that needs to be shaken was shaken. Ho! Oh. Then he laughs. He's like, you have so many clothes. But he's not mad about it. He's not mad about it. He's like, he knows. He knows a house fire would take care of everything I own. And he knows I'd be okay. Completely okay. Even if insurance didn't want to pay anything, I'd be completely okay. He knows that. He knows that. He knows I went through worse than a house fire and I'm completely okay because he's all I want for real. He's everything. It's not because I hate who I was. It's not because I hated my life. It's because I loved my life and I laid it down for him. And some of you have got to go and get healed to love your life so you can lay it down. Because if you still hate your life and you still hate yourself and you're still full of bitterness and anger, you are just thinking you love God. But the truth is you hate you and you have nothing to give him. He wants you to love yourself. To the point where you want to hang on to. We've helped people get free. Yuck, some of you have been here. You know some of the names. We've helped people who hated themselves, hated their lives, get so free. And guess what? They went on to live a good life as an average normal person, which was a big deal to them compared to what they felt before. But they didn't really live it for God. I hope they get into heaven. I don't know. They kind of missed the big deal of it, to be honest. The big deal is finding Christ. It's not just about loving, but you know what? You have to love your life. Can I just say this? You cannot give your life to Christ until you love your life. 
He doesn't want your version of you. He doesn't want your version of you. That's a pity party, poor me, thank God for God. No, he wants the, gosh, I love my life. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you've made me to be. Thank you for, for this wonderful life. Thank you for all these great things. Thank you for who you are. You, you, want, you, want, you want me to lay down my life? I just got it where I like it. <laughs> See, people who are hurt and have a lot of bitterness and don't really understand God, and they don't even realize how rebellious that is and how stubborn that is, They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. You can't hate you if you really know him. And when you've been so wounded and hurt by the enemy and all he's done using parents who were abusive and using people who didn't understand, whatever it is he used, whatever the devil used to make you hate you, God's got to heal that, bring deliverance first before you can actually lay down your life and it's something he can receive. He can't receive your version of you. He can't receive the devil's version of you. To so get the drug addict gets free, but then they go back to drugs. Or their whole testimony is about them, how bad they were, how horrible they were, how horrible things they did, but God. No, my whole testimony needs to be about how awesome God is. How wonderful he is. Now thank God he can rescue a drug addict, amen? Thank God he can rescue somebody out of any lifestyle that's perverted, amen? But, and you can even look at situations, there has to come a time when you die to rebellion and you die to stubborn and you begin to recognize I love my life. I love God. I love what he's done for me. I love how he said, he did this for me. Now I want to give this to him. I want to give this life to him. Some of you need to walk that path to who you are according to God so that you can love you. And if you take on something to think you love yourself when you really don't, then you need to get real with God. Amen? And that's where, that's where a lot of people's rebellion got in. That's where a lot of people got stubborn about it. It's like God wants us. And then look, look how he says it's hard for the rich to get, to get into the kingdom, right? Because they love their lives. They love that. They can pay for this. They can They're not worried about the gas prices right now. They're not even worried if this country goes bahoo. They'll go to their little island or whatever they own or who, whatever. You know what I'm saying? They're, but, they, but they don't know Christ. They love their lives. They love their sin. They love all the uh, manipulation stuff they can do. But look how hard it is for someone who loves their lives to lay it down to God. 
Amen? But God wants us to give our lives to him, let him heal our lives, make us whole, and then of our own free will, give our lives to him. Because then we'll understand it better. Amen? We'll understand who he is. We'll know how good he is. So you understand what I'm saying. God wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to set captives free. If I get healed in every brokenhearted place after I'm saved, and then I get completely set free, and he even opens the eye, my eyes where I'm blind, amen, and delivers me from all this hurt and bondage and pain, amen, then I'm going to be who he created me to be. And it's at that point, to be quite honest, that's the point where I can give it all back to him. And live for him. Just live for him. I'm not trying to get those things from him. I just want him. We got to get rid of these things that stand in the way. All right. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tent door, all the people would rise and worship, each at his own tent door. So they were entering into this. They're like, wow, God is with Moses. God is with Moses. This is awesome. Doesn't this kind of make you think of some of the conferences and things? And there's nothing wrong with that. God is getting us to a place to see what God's doing in other people's lives. But that's not worth much unless we want it in our life. Amen? And so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Do you know what? what when you enter into the rest and you actually are being prepared to be the bride of Christ by the Holy Spirit, what could be better than speaking to God face to face? Having God inside of you speaking to you and through you whenever he wants and all the time. What could be better than living in a place where God is closer than somebody who's in your face? Oh, that could be a cute song, Karen. <laughs> Amen? Most people don't even get how much greater the glory is going to be. They're so content going to a meeting where God moved and they saw something happen with someone else and they're hearing God through someone else. God is saying, no, I have brought you to this place to reveal myself to you, to destroy stubborn, to destroy rebellion, to get rid of the poor me attitudes, to get rid of the bitterness so that you can enter into all that he has for you by loving who you are and laying yourself down to to exchange it for who he is. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. First you have to live. First you have to live. Find out what part of this journey you're on and embrace it. Amen? Amen? Wouldn't it be nice to love yourself? It's nice loving yourself. Just don't take it to a place that the Bible says that the last day they'll be lovers of self. That's a lot of perversion, people. That's a lot of perversion. 
He's not saying be lovers of self in the perverted way. He's saying love who I created you to be. And then give yourself to me. And if you've been broken and wounded and hurt, accept him as the Lord of your life. Amen. But go on the journey for the brokenhearted places to be healed, for the places that have been bondage to be set free, from the things you don't see correctly to be turned around, amen? And for places where you just can't do it yourself, that he'll come in and completely deliver you, right? And then you should be grateful. Then you should be so in love with him. You're going to be so thankful for who he is and what he's done and how he's healed your families and how he's healed your children and how he... There's nothing... Mm. Everything that's real in the kingdom starts with repentance. Amen? Your prayers will be answered when you repent of anything Satan has done in your life or a generational curse or used in your life to bring that situation into your life. Amen? It's time for everybody to be okay with, hey, God's got to do some dealing with me. God's got to change my heart. God's got to set me free. God's, he's already paid the price. All I have to do is go for the ride. Amen? And agree with him. All right. So the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his attendant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Now Joshua, who hung out close to Moses hung out in the presence of God even after Moses left. Now we're not going to get into a lot, but who was it who got into the promised land? It was Joshua. Joshua wasn't afraid of the giants. He wasn't afraid of what the enemy was going to do. He wasn't afraid of sickness. He wasn't afraid of torment. He wasn't afraid of poverty. He wasn't afraid of uh, flu bugs. He wasn't afraid. Amen. He wasn't afraid. Why wasn't he afraid? Because he wanted what Moses had and more. So he would stay in the presence of God and he would talk to God and he would cry out to God and he had a heart to please God even after Moses had gone. Now, you can know, do you have that kind of heart? You have that kind of heart if, let's say, on a Sunday morning and we had awesome worship and God was moving and you get in your car and you put on worship music and you can't quit worshiping. You're still worshiping. Then you go home and you turn on somebody else's preaching like, I like watching Robin Bullock's church when I get home. And then you watch that and then you worship there and then you do some more there and then you just can't wait. And I'm not, let me say, if you go to do this out of a soulish thing, Amen? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a heart. Now, if you don't have that heart, know that you don't have that heart, and then ask Holy Spirit to give you that heart. Amen? Ask Holy Spirit to help you. Ask Holy Spirit to help you. Ask Holy Spirit to wake you up. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now listen to this. Now therefore, I pray to you. This is Moses talking. Now look at this. Okay, get this. Moses has left the tent. Moses is back in his own tent in the camp talking to the Lord. 
It's kind of cool because Joshua is over there in the tent, still hanging out in the presence of God and wanting more God. And Moses leaves the tent and keeps talking to God. Guys, we have a greater glory than this. How many knows Christ is probably not coming tomorrow because the church has not yet tasted of this greater glory? Amen? How many want to be a part of the greater glory? Amen? Getting hungry for it. He's going to make it happen, not you. Your part is to just see where your heart is messed up and ask him to fix it. Ask him to show you your heart. Ask him to heal your hurt places. Ask him to destroy fear. Amen. Begin to seriously, in, write it in your notebooks, begin to ask him for the things that you know that you really want, but your heart's not going after yet. Amen. Remember, I believe the heart is where your soul and your spirit meet. It's where they're connected. So how many know your spirit wants this? Your born-again spirit that's one with God wants this. So your heart, your, your soul is the part that's not in agreement yet. Amen? So you're like, Lord, I want my heart. I want to love you with all my heart, which means my soul too my mind, my strength, everything. My spirit's already in agreement with this or we couldn't even have this conversation. Unless you're born again, you can't even have any of this. Amen? All right. Moses said, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways so that I may know you. Oh my gosh, you guys. This is the kind of prayer that we need to really get uh, from, our, from our spirit and our heart, our heart. We need to have this kind of heart that says, God, I want to know you. You want stubborn out of the way. Amen? You want rebellious out of the way. You want to just ask God tonight, get him out of the way. I want a heart that wants to know you. I want a heart that wants to know you. I want to know you. See, if you've been damaged, so damaged that you can't have relationships, so damaged that you'd rather have uh, kitty cats or puppy dogs or, or a, a successful job or anything at all to take the place of relationships, amen? You've been damaged by the enemy. You were created for relationships. You weren't created to make a ton of money. You weren't created to see how many pets you could have, how fancy your house could look. You were, weren't created for how many hobbies you could do. You were created to have relationships, when your relationship, when you have a vision for relationship and it's more about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it than it's about the person, something's wrong. Amen. When you're more excited about the wedding and the concept of being married than the person you're marrying, something's wrong. Can I get an amen? When you're more excited about your idea of what these children will grow up to be like than to get to know them and want to really know them, something's wrong. And, and I'm, we're all talking. I think all, most of us are somewhat messed up in these areas. Amen? I mean, when I, I, the Lord, it was years before he showed me how self-absorbed I was and how that was ruining me really having good relationships the way he wanted them. Amen? I encourage you to get that teaching. 
Satan's going to do everything he can to make it not about relationship. Amen? And then your stubborn thing is going to say, well, they don't want to have a relationship with me. I don't need a relationship with them. Look, stubborn and rebellion is really in there powerful when it takes you away from relationships with parents, with children, with spouses. Divorce is a horrific, rebellious, stubborn thing. Can I get an amen? These are painful, hurtful things. And if they're not painful and hurtful, then you had a hard heart. If it's painful and hurtful, but you don't go get healed, you're still walking around wounded. Amen? And when stubborn says, well, it's okay. It's not okay. Get healed. I won't get into all that. God doesn't want you marrying again until you've been completely healed from your part of a divorce you had before. Amen? And a lot of it has to do with relationships. And nowadays, let's put this, it means living with someone too and thinking you're married when you're not. Any perversion of relationships, any using people in relationships, any having to prove something in relationships, all of it is bondage that can be behind this stubborn rebellion. And you need to ask God to heal you. Amen. How many know Satan is going to do his best to destroy relationships? Starting with the parent-child relationship. Amen? At every brother-sister relationship, then every marriage relationship. How many know that's what he does? How many can look at most relationships and know he's done a good job at that? Amen? And our pretending it's not true is not going to change anything. It's like going and saying, God, change me. Heal me. Deliver me. Show me. Get this hardness out of my heart. Amen? I love this prayer. Moses says, once you really see the heart of Moses, even though he didn't get to go into the promised land, the people bugged him too much. They lost grace. I'm not letting that happen to me by God's grace. So he says, now therefore I pray, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you becoming more deeply, intimately acquainted with you, recognizing and understanding your ways more clearly, that I may find grace and favor in your sight and consider also that this nation is your people. After this conversation with God, the Lord said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. I'm going to take you into the promised land. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with me, do not lead us up from here. Moses saying, you know what, God? He, he maybe should have been quiet then because God just said, I'm going with you. Because <laughs> Moses didn't get in. But right now you're seeing this time. Let me show, this is really powerful. This is Moses. We're seeing Moses' intimate, powerful relationship with God and then how that journey took longer than he thought and how he got high-minded and how he started getting ticked off that the people and he blew it before he got to the end of the journey i'm, I'm just pray for god's grace not to do that amen 
I never want to lose the relationship I have with God. I want it to get deeper and more intimate and more awesome. I don't want to trade it for a big ministry. I don't want to trade it for fame. I don't want to trade it for money. If the Lord wants to use me in any of those ways for his purposes and his glory, I say yes. Amen? But I want selfish ambition dead. I want to, do, I want to know him. I don't want to not get to go into the things he's promised me. Amen? Because I get my eyes on other people not going in. Or other people not wanting to believe. Or other people trying to pull me down all the time into unbelief. I'm not going to unbelief with you. Amen? Okay, does everybody know it? Don't even have to talk to me in unbelief. I will never agree with unbelief. Amen? I will never agree with anyone in here against God. Ever. By his grace. And I'm not going to listen to it and be pulled down by it. I will come in and try to pull you up. But if you start, you start listening to the enemy to pull me down more and you won't let me pull you up, I won't be able to have a relationship with you. I'll pray for you. I'll believe for you. Amen? We're not called to spend our lives trying to rescue people who don't want to be rescued. You need to decide you're going to be rescued. You need to decide you're going to read the word. You need to decide you're going to believe God and not the enemy. You're going to get rid of stubborn. You're going to get rid of rebellious. And you're going to trust God. Amen? See, entanglements, some of y'all need to listen to this. Entanglements are relationships that pull you away from going after God. The whole idea of entangle is, right, it entangles you so you can't go. Moses got into entanglements, I believe, with the people he was leading. There were millions. But to the point where he didn't do what God wanted and he didn't get to go in. And Joshua did, but he didn't. But he was at Mount Transfiguration, so he obviously did get to see the promised land. Amen. So then he goes on. Now this is the part where I got the part where I don't use the word weird. Exodus 33, 16. For how, can, for how then can it be known that your people and I have found favor in your sight? Is it not by your going with us so that we are distinguished, your people and I, from all the other people on the face of the earth? People, you want to know what God's going to do in this last move? He's going to make us extremely distinguished from all the other people in the world. And I'm going to tell you something. You have better decide you're going to be part of the distinguished. Amen? You're not going to be like the rest of the world. You're not going to get the sicknesses. You're not going to be defeated in relationships. You're not going to live in fear. You're not going to be poor. You're not going to have the things the rest of the world are going through. You are going to, by God's grace, amen, for his glory, be a distinguished people. People are going to say, you're different. You know, people have said to me, I don't know how she went to her daughter's funeral and didn't cry. It must be fake. It must be blah, she must blah, 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 blah. You know what they were watching? I was distinguished. I wasn't weird. I was distinguished. Amen? 
I was going through it with God's grace. I was walking through it with God. I was hearing God, seeing God, saw Jesus during that time, saw my daughter in heaven. I was given the grace by God to be distinguished. Amen. How many want to be distinguished in the days we're living in? How many know we had better get real that we want to be distinguished? Not that you want to go through what I went through. Amen. I'm not cursing anybody. I, don't, I hope we don't have to go through anything bad. But we're going to be shaken. Amen. But I know this. He is greater than anything bad that can happen to me. Because I'm distinguished. Amen. And to die is gain. To live is Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm not afraid of whatever comes my way. I'm really not. Sometimes my flesh rises up and tries to be. Amen. But I'm like, no, I kill that. Get rid of all that. I'm going to be this people who are distinguished. How many know this is what he's getting us to? He's getting to an apostolic people who are distinguished. He said, it is not by your going with us, Lord. He said, if I found favor in your sight, is it not that you should go with us so that we are distinguished, your people and I, from all the other people on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have asked, for you have found favor, mercy, and kindness in my sight, and I have known you personally by name. Then Moses said, Moses was pushing this conversation, wasn't he? Okay. But I believe it was a really intense, awesome conversation between God and Moses. Wow. Something going on out there. Moses said, please show me your glory. I've just got to say, when I hear people say, oh, we saw the glory of God. Oh, the glory. I, I, nobody's gotten close to seeing his glory yet. That what he's talking about. Amen? I won't say no one. There's been a few people. I think when people um, like Heidi Baker was out for seven days and, and totally turned her whole life around and sent her on the mission field to have one of the most powerful um, missions in, in history, I think she saw his glory. Amen? Lord, I want to see your glory. It should change everything about my life. Amen? I think we need to start praying that when we come in here. Pray that on Sunday mornings. Just believe God that he is going to do something so amazing and powerful. Not to put any of our names on the map. Not to put this building on the map. I just want him. I want him to show himself. Amen. I want him to show off. I want him to show off for his glory. Amen. I want him to show off in these young people. I love it where the Lord says, the Lord said to Moses, I also do this thing that you've asked for you have found favor in my sight and I have known you personally by name. I want God to know me personally by name. Amen. I know he does. But I want some of you to pray that. Say, Lord Jesus, I want you to know me personally by name. I want to hear you say my name with a smile on your face. I want to know that I have found favor in your sight. And you personally know my name. I want the kind of conversation that Moses had with you. I want it to become even more deep because you live inside of me. Get rid of this rebellion. Get rid of stubborn. Let me walk with you and believe you and believe who you say that I am so that I can give myself to you fully.
In Jesus' name, amen. Moses said, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, for I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. I personally believe and you're saying, well, he's talked to him face to face, but he saw him as a cloud. Amen? The reason Jesus Christ had to come as a man and the son of man is so we could see him. And he says, when you see me, you've seen the father. He doesn't say you're actually looking at the father. Amen? And we can only go by the spirit into the presence of the father in Christ. Why? Because we would be totally disintegrate because of sin. Sin cannot be in the presence of our holy, holy, all-consuming fire God. Amen? So Jesus had to come in flesh to even be able to have sin in his presence. So I'm just... I personally believe, and I'm not going to get in a doctrinal debate, I believe the Father is always on the throne as a consuming fire. I believe the entire everything revolves around him. And I believe no man has seen him except when they go into the throne by the blood of Jesus. And I believe he and the Father are one, and I believe when the father wants to walk around and hang out and talk to Adam and Eve and all the things he did, I believe it was the son of God. And I believe by his spirit, he's everywhere all the time. Nothing is that God is not there by his spirit. As they say, I say God is the box. And Jesus says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Amen? He makes it really clear. No one can look at him and live. How many know, the, how many know God came back and talked to Adam and Eve after they, after they sinned? And they lived. So they had to be looking at Jesus. Amen? It's not worth getting on theological debates over. So he says, you cannot see my face. No man shall see me and live. He kind of says it pretty clear, doesn't he? Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me, and you shall stand there on the rock, which is representing what? When Jesus comes, the rock. While my glory is passing by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll protect you, protectively cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back and my face shall not be seen. That's really quite amazing if you think about it. Now here is Moses talking with Jesus all the time face to face, it says. Amen. But he's really, he's just revealing himself in a cloud. So that's probably by his spirit. Amen. And he gets so in love with, with, with God. He's like, I've got to see you 
please let me see your face, please. Please, can we get closer? Can we just get closer? And the father's like, no one can see my face and live. You just can't. But I'll put you on the rock. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you and have a relationship with you. And you can see my glory. We get to see Jesus. He's the Lord. That's why he became the son of man. People need to quit acting as if he is a stepping stone to God. He and the Father are one. Amen? He and the Father are one. So, Father, we come before you tonight. And, Lord, our heart's desire is to see your face. Lord, we want you to cleanse us from all doctrine of er with error in it. We want you to erase, even from our thinking, people's experiences that weren't with you, that were any kind of illusion. Lord, we want our own personal, powerful relationship with you. If you believe this, say, Lord Jesus, I repent of being stubborn and rebellious. You should be ordering my steps, not myself. You should be my justifier, not myself. Forgive me for inner vows. Forgive me for actions I've done to hurt people. No matter what my reason was, forgive me for my part of hurting anyone. Set me free from the spirit of stubborn, the wall that separates me from you. I ask that you bring it down in the name of Jesus. And God, get all rebellion out of my heart. I want to give everything to you. I want to be led by you. I want to agree with you even about myself. Before I was ever born, you said I was wonderfully made. You said I was in your image and your likeness. Forgive me for buying the lies of the enemy of self-hate. Forgive me for being bitter about my life. set me free and let me see my life the way you intended in Jesus name now if you love this teaching and you better say you love this teaching then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org there is so much teaching there and there's a resource uh, library there and also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry we love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.